Welcome to the Pursue of Bliss podcast. My name is Kristen. I'm a self-professed health, spirituality, and mindset junkie. You know that blissful happiness you feel when you're just at peace with yourself, living fully in the present moment? That's the feeling I believe we are all in the pursuit of. And I want to help you get one step closer by up-leveling your health, mindset, and love for yourself. Because that lasting and blissful happiness can only be found and created within. So get ready for all things mindset, holistic health, and spirituality. I hope this serves you. Episode of the Pursuit of Bliss podcast. It is nice and early for me right now while I'm recording, much earlier than I'm ever usually recording. Actually, it's also a weekend. I don't remember the last time I recorded a podcast or did any real work on the weekend, but woke up feeling really inspired this morning and just wanted to get it all recorded now. I don't know if you can actually hear. I'm not sure how much this mic picks up. You probably can't but it's about 6.30 a.m. for me right now on a Sunday, and I've got my window slightly cracked open, and there's an owl uh, outside somewhere just hooting over and over and over. It's so beautiful. Uh, it's just so calm and beautiful and peaceful right now. All the birds are chirping and singing their morning song, so just felt like the perfect moment to be recording this specific podcast, which I woke up this morning and it was just really on my heart, this specific topic, which I had not planned to talk about. I actually had an entirely different podcast already planned out. I already had a few bullet points of what I wanted to speak on, woke up this morning and God had just moved my heart. And I feel like there are people who just really need to hear this. So what I am going to talk about this morning is waiting seasons what to do when you are in a waiting season. And what I mean by a waiting season is when you maybe have a goal or a vision or you've prayed really hard for something and you've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and nothing is shifting, nothing is happening, or the prayers haven't been answered, the thing hasn't been achieved, the goal hasn't showed up, etc. How to handle yourself within a waiting season because a waiting season can be so challenging and so triggering, but there are actually so many blessings within your waiting season. But then there are a lot of people who quote unquote waste a waiting season because they're waiting for the waiting season to be over in order to live their lives, in order to connect with God, in order to connect with themselves in order to do so many things. And I believe that our waiting seasons are here to actually propel us into seasons of receiving, into seasons of provision, into seasons of miracles and blessings. But the way that we show up in the waiting season is really, really, really important. Or at least that is what I found in my own life experience. So I'm going to share with you my tips on how to move through a waiting season with a lot of grace to prepare yourself for everything that actually is coming for you. So I just came out of a really long waiting season or what felt really long for me. I know some waiting seasons, they can be years, some can be days, some can be months, no matter how long it is for you. It feels like a long time when you're in it. 
So my specific waiting season this time, this season was about, I want to say seven months or so, but honestly, really years, (laughs) but consciously about seven months or so. So I moved away from Costa Rica to California in October, as many of you already know, and I am so used to being surrounded by community and I've just been in this waiting season of waiting for the right people to show up, of waiting for God to place them in my life, of waiting to feel like I have the people around me that are more than just acquaintances or friends to meet up with and have shallow conversations or to have drinks with, but these real deep, deep connections that are rooted in God. And that's been my biggest thing. I mean, on top of that, it's been just a waiting of when am I going to feel at home again? When am I going to stop grieving? When am I going to stop missing my old life and all of the people and everything left behind? When am I going to start to shift from a dominant energy of grief and sadness and mourning and loss to a dominant energy of happiness? And the dominant energy did shift right? But then even when it shifted, there was a waiting period of when am I going to just stop being sad? Because I'm sick of being happy all day long and feeling good. And then one thing triggers me and I'm suddenly in mourning again. And so it was like this constant waiting season of when am I going to move through this current season that I'm in? And of course, when you're in it, you just want to rush it. But the truth is it wasn't until March that I really started, the community started to show up. And that things began to really shift, right? Like I hit a, I hit a turning point a few months prior where I was no longer dominantly in this space of feeling really lost and in the void and confused and sad and all of the things, but I would still sometimes get triggered out of nowhere and the community had not showed up. It had actually gotten to the point where my best friend who I talked to every day was like, Kristen, you need to do something about this. Like you need to download Bumble friends and start swiping on girls and like go on friendship dates. And it just didn't feel right. And I even did that for one day and I was like, no, this is wrong. I would rather this be in God's timing and for me to wait this out longer than to force this because it just felt this, this icky energy of trying to force it. And you know, little did I know, just a short time later, the people started to really show up. And I would say, you know, April, May, like right now, I feel so grounded in the community I'm building. It feels so good to have connections that are better than anything I really had ever intended for myself. God really showed up for me in the realm of community and it continues to play out. And I am so grateful. And one of my favorite you know, thoughts or sayings or quotes, whatever you want to call it, is that one day you'll look back and be grateful that God made you wait. And this is one of those moments. I'm grateful that God made me wait because in reality, I wasn't ready for the kind of community that I'm building until right now, until it started to show up. God knew exactly when the timing was right. I didn't. And I'm so grateful. I would not take back the timing of anything because honestly, if things if everything that's happening now in my life had happened even three months prior, I wouldn't have been ready. I would have screwed it up. I would have sabotaged. I would have backed out. I would have shut down. I thought I was ready, but I wasn't. And that's how we always tend to be, right? We always tend to think, hey, I'm ready now. But sometimes God's like, hold on, I'm not done with your heart yet. And that's how it was for me, or at least how I felt. So I'm going to share some tips that I have learned and that have also helped me in my waiting seasons. 
And if you hear any background noise, my kitties are up and playing and I'm just going to be recording through any of the background noise. Okay, first thing I want to share, God already knows what you want. Your job is the belief and the faith and the steadfastness and the prayer. You don't need to continue to pray over and over and over. God, please give me this. God, please give me this. Why is this not here? Please give me this. God already knows your heart. He knew you before you knew yourself. He knew what was on your heart before you were consciously aware of it. God knows what you want. And in fact, even better than that, he knows what will bring you the most fulfillment, the most love. He already has plans for you. He already knows everything on your heart. You don't need to continue to ask him as if he doesn't know, as if he can't already do it for you. But our job is a strong foundation of belief. And this is where co-creation shifts from manifestation. Manifestation says, I must believe that I can do this. I must believe that I am all powerful and I can make this happen. I can manifest it. I can shift my energy. Co-creation says you don't need to believe in yourself because you actually can't do this of your own willpower and what a belief, but God can, God can do the impossible. And with God, all things are possible. Even things that are impossible to us with our somewhat limited human capabilities. And so it's really important to be careful not to lose faith because there's this fine line between, okay, I'm not going to force manifestation anymore and I'm going to sit around and do nothing and not even think about my visions and not follow what's on my heart and kind of just let God do everything because yes, let go and let God, but also your job is faith. Your job is belief. Your job is holding on to that hope and that vision. When we're no longer firm or rock solid in our faith of what is possible, we oftentimes just let go of our belief altogether. We say, I don't believe this at all. Like whatever. I don't even really believe that God can do it, but he'll make it happen, whatever. And we become lukewarm in our faith. And then we're in this waiting season and we're so sick of it. And we're like, why am I in this waiting season? When really God might be saying, Hey, this is an opportunity for you to build your faith because I need something to work with here. I need your faith. I need your belief. I need you to be connected to me. Because we have this thing called free will, which is amazing and wonderful and beautiful. But that's why life is a co-creative dance with God. And our part of the co-creation is to build our belief and connection and relationship with him. Because we're not going to believe in someone or something that we don't know intimately. How do you expect yourself to have faith in a God that you don't know? How do you expect yourself to have trust in a God that you don't have any kind of relationship with. You wouldn't unconditionally trust a stranger on the street that you don't know. So why would you trust a God that you don't know? Building belief and trust starts with spending time with God. Even if that looks like, hey, God, this is weird, kind of uncomfortable. I don't know you very well yet. And in fact, I don't even really know if I fully believe in you yet, but I'm willing to try. And God, I would just... If you're listening, like, please move in my heart. I want to let go of this unbelief. Please help me. Sometimes that's all the prayer is. Like, God, I'm struggling with this. Please help me. I want to get there. I've prayed that prayer more times than I can count. And I've been in a huge process, as many of you know, of of 
really shifting my relationship with God and moving through a lot of my religious trauma and a lot of that process has looked like coming back for the first time in a decade to scriptures again and connecting with God through scripture has been so just, it has cracked my heart wide open and scriptures used to be really intimidating for me and triggering for me and created a lot of trauma for me. And even in the beginning, trying to open them, it was traumatic again because a lot of scriptures had been weaponized uh, for reasons related to power, especially in the religious world, not in all churches, not in, in all forms of religion. I don't want to just shit on all religions in every single church here, but in my experience in the past, scripture has been weaponized and it became traumatizing for me to hear scriptures because scriptures just made me connect to a God that felt judging and punishing and harsh and cruel and strict and conditionally loving. And I didn't understand how a loving God could be un could be conditionally loving and could be so cruel. And so now coming back to scripture again in a trauma informed way has been so eye opening for me to read everything through the lens of love and to understand con- context and historical concept, context, textual context, uh, translation, mistranslations, and to realize that a lot of the scripture that had been weaponized in the past for power were actually used out of context, explained out of context, misinterpreted, etc. So it's been powerful for me, and I want to preface this by saying that if you don't align with scripture, that is completely fine. I'm not here to convince you that that is what your path should be, but it's been powerful for me in my journey of reclaiming my relationship with God, especially since as a kid, I connected a lot with God, and also especially I had a relationship with Christ when I was a young, 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 young child, and a lot of that was also through loving scripture, which after a while kind of turned against me, but I've been reclaiming a lot of it. So a scripture that's really been on my heart recently has been this one. It's uh, Mark eleven twenty two. for those of you who want to read it yourself. It's have faith in God. If anyone says to a mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in their heart, but believes that what they say will happen, it will be done for them. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And this is actually the scripture that a lot of law of attraction books have taken from the Bible and used as their basis of lots of law of attraction. I remember reading all about it and I think it's really important to not just pull this one scripture out of context and to use it as a basis for everything in your life, ignoring everything else. But it is a powerful scripture. And I also want to preface this by saying we can't just take this scripture out of context as this is who God is and this is only who God is. He is a vending machine. As long as I believe I'm going to get everything I want out of him, that's not unconditional love. That is transactionalism. That is conditionalism. That is not what we're doing here. That is a lot of what spirituality did, took specific scriptures out of context and focused only on those to create a new belief system around getting what we want. So that's not what I'm doing here, but this is an important piece because it's really important not to move from the manifestation world to the, I'm just going to sit around and do nothing and, 
and not really focus on any belief system at all and just kind of allow life to completely play itself out in front of me. And yes, there is a time and a place for surrender and surrender is an ongoing process, but surrender is not a passive process. Surrender is oftentimes very active. And I believe that it starts with our faith and our belief. And I believe that sometimes in the waiting season is an opportunity for us to create this rock solid foundation of our faith, of our connection and relationship with God, of our belief in what he can do for us. Maybe that's spending some time thinking, all right, when has God actually worked wonders and miracles in my life before, even if I didn't really know it was God at the time, because he's always been here, right? He never leaves you. You have free will to turn your back on him, but he doesn't turn his back on you. He is always pursuing you. Because he is always loving you. And so when has he showed up for you in the past? Another way to really begin to build trust is to move your focus on what you believe should be and to really focus on what already is in your life. And just a little point here, that concept didn't come from me. I actually saw The Little Mermaid in theaters last night. It was so good. And Grimsby one of the characters actually said that to Eric in the movie. And me and my friend looked at each other like, whoa, was that deep or was that deep? Because that was deep, right? (laughs) We like had this moment. It was so good. Stop focusing on what should be and focus on what is. When your eyes on what you believe quote unquote should be, you're no longer gratitude. You're no longer grounded in the blessings that already are. And we lose trust in God when we believe that He is not working in our lives, but he's always working in our lives. The problem is that we oftentimes focus on something in our life that's not here, but we're not looking at every other area that God is working in our lives already. Like think about the ways he's moved your heart and changed your heart. The way that you no longer feel so hardened towards someone you used to have so much resentment toward. The way you've been able to forgive more easily. The way you've been able to open up your heart more easily and receive more love. The way he's helped you to bring down the walls around your heart to begin to feel your emotions again. Maybe the way that he's opened your eyes to things that you couldn't see before. To the people and opportunities he's brought into your life. To all of the things you have in your life right now. Down to like, if you're listening to this, you probably are listening on a phone or a computer of some sort. The fact that you have that puts you in like the top, I don't know, this is not, don't quote me on this, but like the top one to 2% of the world. We have so much to be grateful for. God has blessed us in so many ways that when we're constantly focused on what we believe should be, what our life should look like, we lose track of the blessings that are already here and the ways that God is already working for us. The way he is already moving in our lives and in our hearts, in our beings, in the people around us. But I get it. It's easy. I'm guilty of this all the time. I'm like, hey God, where's my husband? Where is he? Right? And when I get so focused on the scarcity of what's not here, it's easy to fall into hopelessness, into unbelief. It's like your faith gets trampled by your visions of what you think should be. And I'm not saying you have to let go of the vision. The vision's great. Get excited about your vision. God probably placed it on your heart for a reason, but also let God hold that vision for you. He already knows your vision. Sometimes we just need to shift our focus to where God already is in our lives. 
continue to seek God first. And that scripture I shared about, you know, when we believe with all of our hearts, we will receive. I really, really believe that. But I also believe that we are intended to seek God first. The thing that manifestation got wrong is that we take these concepts and we make them everything and we make it our job to make it happen versus wait a second. What if the solution to my unbelief is to simply seek God first? And yes, when I no longer have doubts, when my belief and faith is really strong, I do receive more. But my job is not to micromanage all of that. My job is to seek God over and over and over and over. And the more that I seek God, the more that everything else naturally shifts in my heart. The more I'm able to open up to receive the blessings meant for me without even having to try because I am seeking God. And I believe that our entire beings and lives and the universe that we live in is created and designed for us to thrive in our lives, to thrive when we are seeking God first. I believe it's that easy. It's that simple. It doesn't mean that you seek God and everything you want is going to show up and God's not a vending machine. It doesn't mean that you seek God and every problem will be gone and your life will be perfect and all the money shows up and the man shows up and all the things. No, that is not what I'm saying. But God knows what's on your heart and he has a plan for you. And the life that's going to bring you the most peace is the one that's going to show up when you're so lost in God, when you are seeking him first and foremost when you are letting his love in, because that love will transform you in your heart in ways that you can never change yourself by your own willpower. God can move in your life and can make transformation in your life in ways that you could never with your own willpower. And anything created in your life outside of God is going to bring you a lack of peace eventually, because peace can only be found through pursuing God truly. The kind of dropped in, anchored, grounded peace that we're all actually unconsciously seeking that cannot be found outside of God. I know because I've tried over and over and over. I've tried for years of my life and I've always failed. I'll think it's working for a while and then it falls apart. Peace only comes through seeking God and through seeking God comes all else, including faith, including trust, including love, including confidence, including our sense of worth everything. And all else comes as a result of that. All of the goals and visions and things that you want in your life, because of course it's natural and normal. God created a physical material world. It's natural and normal to have desires for physical material things that we don't need to constantly focus and visualize those desires and things all day long because the things that are meant for us in this material world will come when we are no longer doubting. And that only comes by seeking God. And sometimes the prayer is, God, please help me help to move this unbelief, help to move these doubts from my heart. Because we've all built up so many tools, especially if you've been in this spiritual or self-development world for a lot of times, you know, how to move through limiting beliefs, how to transform your fears and doubts. We have so many strategies and toolboxes and quick fixes and healing processes But what if sometimes you didn't need to do any of that? What if it was a lot simpler? What if it was just, hey, God, help me. God, please move this from my heart. God, please please take this burden from me. Sometimes it's that simple. And yeah, sometimes God will guide you to, hey, this is your practice. This is your healing practice. This is the tool that's going to best support you right now. And sometimes he just takes it. He just takes it from us. He takes the burden. 
but we never know unless we ask. But we're so used to doing things on our own, right? Like I've got this, I can figure this out. I'm independent. I've got my whole toolkit of healing tools. And we don't even think to ask God. But once again, we have free will. Sometimes it takes us bringing something to God and asking him for him to work in us. Because I don't believe that God is going to violate our free will. Okay, I think another big lesson or reason for many waiting seasons is love. Of course, it's always love. And us humans tend to have this unconscious story loop running all the time that says, I'll be more, I'll be more lovable when I get there, when I get to the finish line, when I achieve the thing, when the vision shows up, I'll be more lovable. The people around me will be more proud of me, more impressed with me. They'll love me even more. Whether or not you have this consciously, we all have some unconscious version of this within us. And sometimes the waiting season is here because God wants to say, hey, you're lovable right now, right here, within the mess, within the waiting, when nothing is showing up or changing or shifting. Let me love you here. Let me love you here. Because if I just give you everything you want, and then you feel more lovable then, and then you let my love in then, you're going to learn that my love was conditional and it is not. And I believe from my life experience, I know that in my waiting seasons, I had so many opportunities, like God graciously extended me the opportunities for me to experience and feel in a deep embodied way, his love. And I believe that many people know God. They can spew facts about God. They know lots of things about him but they haven't felt him yet. They don't know what his love is like to be experienced because it's vulnerable to let love in. It's a lot less vulnerable to say the universe is really loving. I can live with that. Like loving energy, great. A loving father, wait a second. No, that's scary. That's vulnerable because my earthly father let me down or the, the earthly men in my experience have let me down. My heart shut off. I don't want to let that love in because what if I lose it? It is a lot more vulnerable to let God's love in than it is to become okay with the concept of a loving universe, which is why spirituality really called to so many of us who have masculine wounding. But your waiting season is often an opportunity to heal some of that masculine wounding, not by your own willpower, but by God's love, the grace of God's love. And literally by definition, grace means It cannot be earned. We cannot earn God's love. It's impossible. He doesn't love us for our works, for what we do, for what we achieve. He loves us because he created us, because of who we already are, not because of who we're becoming or things that we've done or what a good girl we've been. You can't lose his love. So in the waiting season, ask yourself, where have I been feeling unlovable? Where have I been hiding the parts of me that I feel are not good enough because they're not achieving or they haven't achieved this one thing? Where are the voids within me that I've been, you know, kind of closed off? I haven't allowed those parts of me to be filled with love because they don't feel worthy yet. Can you let God in there? That could be as simple as, hey, God, I want to let you in here. Scary, feels uncomfortable. But honestly, I don't feel lovable right here, right now. I don't. I don't even have the capacity to love myself right here, right now. I know that you have that capacity and I'm willing to open up and invite you in here. Even if it feels weird and I don't know what that's going to look like or feel like, I'm willing to invite you in 
to let you move in my life and in my heart. And sometimes you, you speak that prayer and nothing happens, but then a few days later or a few weeks later or a few hours later, you feel God. Whether it's in a person who says something to you or in a moment where you just feel him drop in and suddenly you're in tears. Or maybe it's a moment in nature. God speaks in so many ways. But we have to invite him in. We have to ask him. I have a feeling that God is much more concerned with our hearts than our external realities. And it is our heart that changes everything else. All of our innate magnetism is within our beings, within our hearts and wombs. And so he moves in our hearts first. The waiting season is an opportunity to actually open your heart to him. To allow yourself to be filled up and satiated with love in all of the places you've been denying yourself the opportunity to be loved for so long. We close off certain parts of ourselves to love and then we say, hey, God's love must be conditional because I don't feel his love here. When in reality, we have free will. We've shut ourselves down in these places to receiving love. It's not that God's not loving us, all of us. It's that we're not opening up all parts of ourselves to receive that love. And the waiting season is a powerful opportunity to do so. Oh, and also a reminder here, you will not have to chase what God sends. You will not have to force what God sends. You will not have to become worthy of by your own efforts of what God sends. What God sends, what is of God, will bring you peace, will bring you love, will often challenge you, will require you to be fully on display, to let your light actually shine out in the world. But you will not have to chase it or force it. But oftentimes when we're in these waiting seasons, we get in this place of scarcity and lack, and this happens when we're the desperation when we're no longer grounded or anchored in God's love. And we're no longer focused on what is here. Instead, we're focused on the lack of what is not here. And when we're in this space, it can be easy to fall into this habit of forcing or chasing what we think we want. When in reality, when we're forcing and chasing something, it's not coming from God, coming from our own willpower and will not bring us peace. So just a reminder to check in on your energy, your intentions, and your actions. Is it grounded in God? Have you opened yourself to his love first? Because most of our scarcity and desperation comes from a lack of love. When we're feeling a void of love within us, a lack of love within us, we oftentimes seek externally to fill that in the ways that we know how, which oftentimes can look like achieving or manifesting or desperately needing these things to show up. When actually when we satiate ourselves with love first, the desperation naturally falls away. So instead of asking, how can I make this happen? Sometimes the first question is, where am I shut off to love? Where am I not letting God's love in? And also another reminder, God is not in a hurry, right? Like he created this planet. He created nature. I love looking at nature as a reminder for how we should be living because nature doesn't rush. God's not in a rush. If you're a scripture person, Jesus was never in a rush. He was the most unhurried person on this planet in all of history and also the most miraculous. And whether or not you have any kind of belief or faith or love for Jesus, he is someone that we can learn a lot from. He was never in a rush. Nature was never in a rush. We are always in a rush. 
but God is not in a hurry. And remembering this, that he knows what's on our hearts. He can see things we can't. He hears things we can't. He sees and knows the future in the way that we don't. He knows what's best for us in a way that we never will. Can we trust the pace, his pace and his timing? Can we give ourselves permission to slow down? Because the things that really stick around, that last a lifetime, the best things in life, they take time the same way that nature does. And if you're really stuck in this scarcity mode, in this rush, right now, like pause this podcast or make time later and make a list of 50 blessings that are already in your life. I know 50 is a lot. You can do it. You have way more than 50. I really challenge you to push yourself to 50 to get past your edge and expand past the point where it gets hard to list them. Maybe your edge is five. You reach five, you're like, wow, I really can't write more. Then you just push yourself to do 10 more. But I really encourage you, maybe you just need to write down five a day until you get to 50. Or maybe you want to get to 100. And I'm going to challenge myself to do that this week as well. Where has God already blessed you? Let's shift our hearts first. And I'm not saying that we have to force gratitude, right? We can't force gratitude for things we're not consciously already feeling gratitude for. And so I'm not saying make a list of all the things that, you know, are already in your life that God's blessed you with, and then make yourself feel gratitude for every single one. We do take some things for granted and that's okay. It's human nature. Forcing gratitude is never, forcing any feeling is never going to be the best practice for our hearts. But becoming conscious of the blessings that are already in our life can help gratitude to naturally arise to the surface where it was already existing within us, but kind of being repressed or shut down. Another question to ask yourself, where have you paused your life for the waiting? Where have you said, I'm not going to give myself permission to do X, Y, Z until this shows up. You know, for a lot of people, it's, I'm not going to take myself on dates until a man shows up to do that. Or I'm not going to take myself on road trips until I'm in a relationship and we're doing it together. Or I'm not going to take a day off to just play and have fun until I've achieved the next business goal. Or the list goes on, right? Those are a few that I've used for my personal life that I've found myself caught in. What are the things that you're waiting on? Like, how would you be living your life if you knew your prayers were already answered? Stop waiting for the things to show up or the blessings to come to live your life fully. Where are you craving more play in your life, right? Like me going last night to see The Little Mermaid, literally when the songs like Under the Sea came on and Kiss the Girl, I literally just couldn't stop myself from dancing and singing in my seat. I felt like a little kid. And I also the day before went to my favorite beach and got myself a giant waffle cone with two huge scoops of my favorite ice cream. And then went and walked around and frolicked on the beach. And it's like these moments of play Our soul needs them. We're meant to become more like children. We need childlike faith and childlike faith, I believe, takes childlike play. I believe we can really feel God's love and play and becoming like a playful child. And I also believe that the moments where we forget about all of our doubts and fears and we truly are just saturated in love are the moments of play. No one is thinking about everything they're stressed and worried about when they're dancing and singing along to under the sea. At least I'm not. (laughs) Or can you infuse your life with more play? 
And remember, a waiting season is never wasted. One day you'll look back and be grateful it went God's way and not yours. That it all happened in his timing and not yours. Because he's always been looking out for you and protecting you. And I think I'll leave you all with that. I did want to say, if you feel inspired or called to work with me personally right now, I am enrolling into my one-on-one containers. I have two to three spaces open that I will be filling. I've already reached out to a few applicants, so spaces will begin to fill. If you feel called, the link to apply is in the show notes for one-on-one mentorship, or you can reach out to me, DM on Instagram. I have currently in the works some one-on-one, I'm sorry, not one-on-one in-person experiences in Southern California. I want to be creating nothing as solid, solidified or set in stone, but that is on my mind and I'm hoping to lead some in-person experiences for my Southern California girlies or the ones who just want to travel here and experience it later on in summer. So stay tuned for that. And I am sending you all so much love as always love it when you all share the podcast so I can repost you on social media, when you share it with friends and family. And honestly, if you have listened to more than one episode and it has spoken to you or helped you in any way, if you could spend just three minutes and go on iTunes and leave me an honest review, it would mean the absolute world. That really means so much to me and helps me a lot. And if you do choose to do that, you can screenshot it and send that screenshot if you want Do support it, pursuitofbliss.com, and we'll send you back a uh, free gift from me. So love you so much. Thanks for being here and listening to this entire episode and making it this far. And I'll see you next week.